Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. Here we are, and here we go. It is Fight IQ presented by RotoWire. Uh, here to talk to you about UFC 268, Usman versus Covington 2, the second of two rematch title fights, which is preceded, of course, by a amazing lightweight title fight, or not title fight, rather, but title contender fight between Justin Gaethje and Michael Chandler. My name is... Chris Olson, I will be the host of Fight IQ this week, as Sean was pulled away unexpectedly. But we are in great luck because the man known as Narco Cop has decided that he will hang around with us, actually pulling double duty this week as uh, he goes to do his own podcast later tonight. But we're thrilled to have him here. Uh, Mike, how you doing tonight? Good, good. How are you, Chris? Thanks for having me. What's up, Joe? What's up to everybody in chat? Um, yeah, I'm just happy to be here and help you guys out here, and I'm glad to be with you guys here. I mean, uh, it's going to be an amazing card, so can't wait to break it down. Absolutely, absolutely. Uh, follow, follow Mike on Twitter, at NarcoCop, and as I said, his own YouTube show on the YouTube channel, is that NarcoCop MMA? Correct, NarcoCop MMA. Um, I have the Lambo Plays podcast. It's at uh, it's tonight at 9 p.m. Uh, Central Standard Time. All right. All right. Uh, good stuff. Uh, Joe, how are you feeling tonight? How are you feeling about this card? Well, first of all, got to thank Mike. Mike is also, you know, technical advisor for Chicago PD. So he, we were able to kind of get him to break away from that. Um, very popular show. Um, got to tell me how Tracy looks offset. Um, anyway, uh, I can use a win for sure. Um, I've been kind of like treading water, like death by a thousand cuts. Last week, I needed Jan. Unfortunately, even though I picked Glover in the Rotowire selection, I went six and zero. By the way, the only one um, to go six and zero. But um, as it turned mm-hmm. out, I needed Jan to win the money. So, um, you know, Jan. I guess I don't know. He had a problem with his face. I'm not really sure. Um, he had all that Polish support. Didn't work. Um, you know, so Glover cost me some money, even though like, you know, look, I'd always rather win, but not winning, at least having a guy like that, like win was pretty nice. Um, Glover Teixeira has always made me a lot of money in the past. So my, my bad for betting on Jan. Absolutely. Um, I, I, I learned my lesson about the fourth time. It looked like he was about to get finished and then came back and won. I decided, uh, I decided no more, no more betting against Glover. 
Uh, worked out then. Uh, that, that got pretty nice. I think it was uh, like plus 270 at a certain point. And uh, if you went for the submission, which is the way he usually wins, uh, I'm sure that was in the stratosphere. But that is over. We are set for a new and, as I think we all agree, a much improved card, even though that one was great. This one is better. And so before we jump into that, uh, I am going to take the liberty to say that uh, to check out Rotowire content, go to rotowire.com slash free for a 10-day free trial of all premium content. There's no credit card we required. Also, do us a big favor. Subscribe to our YouTube channel at Rotowire MMA. We have... Uh, uh, we have separate channels now. We're trying to grow them out. So if you like our our MMA content, the MMA content here, you want to see more of it, do us a favor, like, uh, subscribe, and all that good stuff. Now, with all of that out of the way, we can finally get to fights. Uh, Odie Osborne, 8,700, taking on CJ Vergara at 7,500. Line on this fight. Uh Osborne can be had for minus 185. The comeback on Vegara plus 150. Uh, we saw a very different CJ Vegara in his Contender Series fight. He's a guy who's kind of known on the regional scene for being a slow counter striker. Came out like a house on fire in that Contender Series bout. Um, you know, really smoked his opponent under a minute. I can't really trust him to fight like that all the time is my is my worry here. And even if he can, I don't trust his defense, especially with a guy like Odie Osborne who's going to get after it, uh, who does have that length. And as we've seen, that power, I do think it's going to be a firefight either way. And so you should have a bit of both. I'm going with Odie Osborne here, who I see as the more uh, athletic, dynamic striker. But I think it's going to be a hell of a fight as it lasts. I think we're gonna we'll we'll throw to uh, Joe first, and Joe, uh, how do you see in this one? Fourteen, fourteen. That's the number. Fourteen. The last eight fights by Odie Osborne um, all ended in finish. The last six fights by Vegara, um, including five wins, all added in finish. All ended in finish. Um, not uh, none of Osborne's fights made it out of the first round. Um, this is a real violence fight. I mean, I think it's a sneaky fight to target because it's not super high profile. And there are people that have different thoughts about whether to tar target the so-called curtain jerker fight of the night, first fight of the night. And I think this is a very interesting fight to target. Um, you know, Odie, I believe, and someone could, if, if, you know, one of our millions of viewers can, can kind of check my math on this. I honestly believe that Osborne may have been the first fighter on DraftKings to get the quick finish bonus um, subsequent to it being introduced. So he may have been that first, you know, that first guy to get that, um, you know, in his like 38 second knockout of Rivera. So this is going to be an interesting fight. I mean, I, I would love to see what happens to this fight if it gets out of the first round, because you could have two guys that are, you know, uh, you know, essentially gassed. Um, you know, if Vegara gets through the first round somehow, uh, could be a really good live betting opportunity. But I am actually going to go with uh, Osborne as well. I think he's fought better competition. Uh, he's a better athlete. He's more dynamic. I could certainly see him, um, you know, winning this, striking, maybe even, you know, getting it down and, and winning by, by sub. But I really do like Osborne. But the play here is really inside the distance. And that's why I think this is a 
sneaky fight to target on DraftKings. Um, you know, you could certainly make a stand on Osborne, but if it gets into the second round, you know, buyer beware. And for that reason, you might want to have a few shares of uh, Vagara. Always that first fight curse, right? Uh, you always hate to not go as heavy on the first one and then, uh, you know, be dead before the rest of the card comes out, uh, especially in this fight. Uh, Mike, how you see in this one? Yeah, I, I kind of agree with a lot with uh, what Joe said here. Um, you know, I see this as a violence fight. Um, for Gara, the, just the way he fights is, um, you know, it's it's a, it's a guy that's kind of like kill or be killed. And, and that's what I saw when I taped this guy for the Contender Series. Um, you know, in his fight against uh, Jacob Silva, he was hurt really, really bad. Um, but whether the storm came back and stopped Silva in that third round, um, you know, this guy shows um, good power late in the fight also. So if this fight is to drag on, uh, I do think that favors Osborne. Um, I do have a bet um, currently at under two and a half bet, a violence bet. Um, I got in a little early. It was minus 125. The line has jumped to minus 160. Um, you know, I wouldn't play it at those odds. But as far as DraftKings, um, you know, I kind of like this fight. I, I think, it, you know, it's almost a, a must fight to target because I think this fight is going to end one way or another. Osborne is very, very big for the 25 division. Um you know, the guy fought at 45, you know, now he's fighting at 25. But the one thing I will say, because I think he cuts a lot of weight here. And, um, you know, I think, Os um, sorry, Vergara is going to have a huge cardio advantage here if this fight goes late. Um, but, you know, everything that Joe said, the striking here is going to favor um, Osborne. He's the cleaner striker. He's the longer guy. Um, he's the, He has the better submissions. He's the better grappler. Um but man, Vergara is just a violent guy, and 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 you know, for me, you know, to pick a side, I'm going with um, the better technical guy in Osborne. But I would not be shocked if uh, Vergara stopped this guy. All right, uh, take myself off mute, uh, and we can move on. Next fight up, uh, Meslik Baghadzarian versus uh bruno souza Batazarian can be had for 9200 uh bruno souza 7000 on DraftKings. betting lines as follows Batazarian uh minus 350 bruno souza plus 275 and i i know that you know bahagdazarian is kind of new but uh i can't really argue with this line even as wide as it is uh Bagdasarian showed really fast hands, real killer instinct in his UFC debut, uh, really ability to swarm and sort of um, overwhelm his opponent. Can get tired. We've seen that before. But uh, Bruno Silva, guy who, cha who trains with the Machida brothers, and it looks like it. He's very much a, a karate-style hang-back uh, counter-strike you, although not much power, o I mean, only three finishes. And uh, two of those uh, by KO, TKO, among those 10 wins. He's got some slick footwork. He'll angle, he'll angle off for his counters, but I don't really see him weathering the storm here. If he can, he can have uh, maybe an opportunity late, but uh, I expect Meslik to uh, swallow him up for his uh, second stoppage win. And we'll start with uh, Mike. Yeah, um, so – Kind of agree with you. Yeah, Melsic has a very, very good striking, very high-level kickboxer. Um, but I'm a little less high on this guy. Um, you know, 
I see this guy slowing down a, a, a lot. Um, he slowed down a, a ton in this contender series fight. Um, even his last fight, um, if you watch the first couple of minutes of that second round, he really didn't do much. I think he was trying to catch his breath. Um, England didn't really push him, um, which was a mistake. And, you know, he kind of, you know, lowered that right hand and he caught the left kick to the head. But, you know, for me, yes, Bagdasarian is a great, great striker. But I think his cardio really needs to be uh, shored up. I, I don't think this guy has good cardio. But with that being said, Souza is just unimpressive on tape, man. I, you know, he's got some really good wins uh, in the regional scene in the LFA, you know, against Elijah Johns, uh, Miles Johns' brother, uh, Javier Garcia, who's a, who's actually pretty decent. And he also has a win over Camilla Kirk, who's currently in the UFC. Um, but, like, you know, very low volume, um, doesn't really have a ground game, doesn't grapple. And now you're telling me this guy's going to have to stand and strike with a guy like Melsic. Yeah, I know um, he's a karate world champion, but man, the, the power behind this guy's kicks, the, uh, you know, the hands from Melsic, it's just night and day compared to what Souza brings to the table. So, you know, I do have a bet of the under two and a half at plus 120. I'm not sure what the line is currently sitting at. Um, but another spot where I, I it, it's like plus 100 minus 110. But I still see this as a probably most likely a stoppage from Melsic. But if this fight goes later, uh, I will be kind of worried because uh, Souza's been five rounds, um, I think, on two occasions. And so he's definitely going to have the, a better cardio here. Um, and as far as um, DraftKings is concerned, I, you know, at 9,200, I rather like uh, play, you know, Pereira or somebody like that instead of Bagdasarian because I'm not, you know, even though he's got great power, Souza has this like weird karate style that's going to be tough to land on him. So, yeah, that's that's basically what I have in this fight. You're on mute, Chris, but I know you're turning it over to me. Uh, so I'll I agree a lot with what Mike said. You know, one of the things that you know is a warning flag for me is that. You know, Bruno, you typically don't want to see three split decision wins, you know, from a fighter coming off of a regional scene. You want to see, like, domination. And, yes, I get LFA is, is you know, certainly like a 2A type of organization. You know, it's it's not UFC. It's not Bellator. But it's, just, it's a pretty good regional promotion. But still, you've got three split decisions um, that this guy has won. And that does not bode well for an overly exciting fight on his part. I mean, maybe he could win by just essentially outlasting, uh, you know, the Armenian fighter. Um, you know, both of these guys only have one loss. Um, and I believe the one loss for uh, the Armenian fighter was his first professional fight. Um, so he's won every fight since then. Um, I think this is his moment here. Um, you know, he's. I think he needs to be aggressive and get in Bruno's face. Um, I, I only watched a little bit of tape on Bruno. This was not a fight that interested me, interested me a ton. Um, but you know, I, I think, you know, with all the options above nine K, um, he could be a tricky play. I mean, um, you know, the Armenian that is, and I'm not going to try to pronounce his name. Um, apologies. I'm calling him the Armenian. Um, but yeah, I, I, I'm going to, I'm going to give him the, the, the win. Um, I just don't know how much of him I'm going to have. And what his ownership is going to look like on DK, um, but I do think with all those options at at you know nine K up, um, even going down to Gaethje and up, like I just don't know how much of him I'm going to have. 
Yeah. Um, I, so I think that's uh, a little bit too much agreement, guys. The, the, the fans like it when we're at each other's throats. So let's see uh, if we can get that going uh, here pretty soon. Uh, next fight up, uh, John Al or uh, let's start with the favorite. Why not? Uh, Dustin Jacoby. Uh, 9,600 on DraftKings, facing John Allen at 7,800. Uh, line on this fight, uh, another big one. Dustin Jacoby, minus 400. Comeback on John Allen, uh, plus 300. And I'll get my craziness out of the way uh, here. I'm picking John Allen uh, to win this fight. I think, I mean, the first thing that jumps out at me is um, uh, Dustin Jacoby took this fight four days ago, five days ago, and he's a minus 400 favorite. That seems a little odd to me. I mean, I, I understand he's going to be faster here. I understand he's going to have more power. Um, John Allen's going to get in his face, but what I'm really interested in here is I think I would say that John Allen's probably the best pure submission grappler he's fought to this point. Um, the people who have tried to take Dustin Jacoby down have gotten him down. They haven't been able to keep him there. But I think Allen might be able to do so. And as I said, Allen will get in his face with that uh, Brazilian Muay Thai style. Uh, he'll, he'll, he'll look to, I think, um, test his advantage where he can. And again, you know, uh, taking him down, uh, getting him down, maybe in the first round, getting a couple of mat returns. Who knows what that does to the gas tank on, on, on less than a week's notice. So... I, I, I think the line is just too wide here. My pick is ba is generally a function of that. I, um, I'm just not comfortable uh, la uh, laying that much, relying that much on DraftKings for uh, Jacoby in this spot. Can he get a knockout? Of course he can. Um, if he does, it'll likely be early. It'll likely bring you points. But, you know, if he doesn't, uh, you're going to be stuck with a pretty big meatball on, as what Joe said earlier, is a big card where, you know, we have a lot of, uh, big scores to come. So uh, that's my first dog play. I feel like that's reasonably spicy. Um, we're going to start with Joe. Joe, um, you with John Allen or you with uh, Dustin Jacoby? On this Look, I don't, I don't hate your analysis. I mean, this is a warning Will Robinson type of fight for those who uh, get the reference to Lost in Space. I know I'm dating myself a bit here, but there was a remake, a very good remake on Netflix. Um, so, yeah, I... You know, coming off of a, a really short notice, um, you know, to be at 9.6K, I mean, I think uh, my good friend, uh, CRG10, who does the uh, podcast with Brett Apley on Daily Fan MMA, said, like, that's cyborg pricing, that 9.6K. Like, this guy coming in off short notice is getting cyborg pricing. And I, I don't know how much of him I'm going to have. There's just so many better options. And... Who are you going to sacrifice in the upper tier, you know, to get Jacoby into your lineups? Now, you know, to your other point, Chris, he could come out, like you said, and just smoke him. That could happen. I mean, if Allen is smart, he will play a clinch game and try to wear on this guy's cardio and then maybe kind of take over. So this could be a pretty good live betting type of fight, um, you know, maybe into the second round or as this fight gets longer, I could certainly see the momentum shifting because I do think Jacoby, he doesn't. He doesn't come off as that kind of guy that lives in the gym. I could be wrong. I don't know him personally, so I will apologize in advance if he does live in the gym. But, like, I've definitely seen erratic performances from him. So um, I'm not going to go out and pick Allen because I just think Jacoby on, you know, on, a, on, a, on an average to good day, 
beats Allen on a good day. So I'm going to stay with with Jacoby, but I I do say Danger Will Robinson. Danger Will Robinson, 9.6K is awfully rich. All right. Well, we'll break out the color tele- the uh, black and white television for Joe's next reference. But uh, uh, Mike, how do you uh, how do you see this one going down? Yeah, I mean, um, I do have a bet on Jacoby by decision, um, plus two fifty. I'm basically turning a, a mm. minus four hundred into a plus two fifty. And my reasoning behind it is, yes, it's short notice. I I think he's going to take his time. He's definitely the way better striker. Um, you know, big dude, uh, you know, glory kickboxer. John Allen, you know, kind of low volume, um, was being outstruck by Roman Delice at times, who's basically mainly a grappler. Um, but the one thing I will say uh, about John Allen is he's got a hell of a chin. Um, the dude's been stopped, I believe, like, uh, you know, three or four times by by uh, submission, but never been knocked out. So the guy does have a good chin. Um, but you know, as, as far as DraftKings is concerned, you know, 9.6 is just crazy to lay on uh, Jacoby here. Um, you know, and even even taking John Allen at 7,800 is not appealing based on, you know, you know, his opponent being 9,600. And I think that's basically based on him fighting Alexa Kamer, which was or his original opponent. That's why he has that price tag there. But at the end of the day, um, I do like Jacoby by decision. I think Jacoby's the better fighter. He's got a uh, good takedown defense. Um, he's got good get-ups. Um, you know, John Allen is not the best grappler either. So, uh, you know, him to be able to take down uh, Jacoby and keep him down there, it, I don't think it's going to happen. So, um, yes, I do agree that his gas tank might wear on him because it's a late-notice fight. But, uh, you know, we've seen him fight through it. And 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 um, I still think, you know, overall, this guy is just a better, better uh, uh, fighter here. Okay, that yeah, that's interesting. Uh, that decision pick, uh, I I I agree. I mean, we we love doing that when we can, right? Turning those big favorites into big dogs with the props. So uh, yeah, definitely something something to look for. Um, okay, next fight coming up, we have. Oh oh boy, this is uh, this is. I think we'll call this one the people's main event. We have uh, Chris Barnett at eighty three hundred taking on John Volante at. 7900 uh betting uh line for this fight uh we got a pretty close one here it is volante minus 135 barnett plus 110 and what can you absolutely say about uh either one of these guys uh, uh, frankly but let's start with john volante who you know just just uh, i mean he's retiring after this fight and you can see why i mean he, first of all i i think he should have moved up to heavyweight a long time ago he's always been a really big uh, light heavyweight, but he, he's moved up and he's just looked terrible uh, in every fight. He was on his way to winning uh, against Maurice Green until he basically tapped to exhaustion, which is something I've, I've never really seen before. And then you had the fight against Kalia where he looked a little better, but was tired by the end of the first round, got hurt multiple times in that fight. And Barnett is athletic for a big dude, and he's just going to be in there swinging and making things chaotic, and I can't. I I might never have trusted Volante not to melt under those conditions. I certainly don't now. I think that uh, I think Barnett. Um, we saw his rock chin against uh, against uh, Ben Rothwell. He did ultimately get him out of there by sub. 
but took a lot of big shots and landed a lot of big shots when he was dead tired, which is something um, I will not uh, I will not take for granted when it comes to Volante. I think he just gets uh, swallowed up by the hurricane that is Huggy Bear here. Um, if this goes for too long, you know it's going to turn into an epic uh, slog fest through the mud. But I think um, I think Huggy Bear probably gets his thumb before that. I'm gonna. I'm going to say he's going to take a finish here. Um, and uh, for Volante, um, the retirement couldn't come couldn't come at a more perfect time. I just think he's finished. Looked terrible on the scales again. And uh, I, I just I just think, um, you know, Huggy Bear gets his gets his proper UFC debut. And uh, we'll start with uh, Mike on this one. Mike, how do you see this one going down? Yeah, I mean, you got to stack both these guys for DraftKings. It's the best. Um, no, but <laughs> I mean, stay far away from both these guys on DraftKings, I believe. You know, um, if I was to take anybody on DraftKings, it'd probably be Barnett, but at 8,300, you know, I just don't think he's going to stop uh, G- uh, Volante. The one thing Volante is, he's durable. Uh, most of his losses when he's getting stopped are later in the fight, in the third round, you know, most of the time. The one time to Mikhail Olajacek, he took a shot to the body and he went down. Um, the one thing I will say about Huggy Bear is he does throw hardy. He, he shows a great chin. Um, that's all true. Uh, I, you know, but I just don't like what I see from the guy either. And, you know, looking at these two guys on the scale, you know, I'm not too happy with both of them. You know, Gian Vellante, this is his, you know, last fight. He's going to retire. And he absolutely looked horrible uh, at the weigh-ins. Um, you know, but what I do have is I have a, a, a over one and a half bet. Um, I got in early again. It was minus 155. I have a lot of units on it. I have four units. Um, but, you know, now, you know, the price has kind of swelled up. I would not touch it at this price. It's minus 220, 225. Um, but honestly, I, you know, I think this fight might go the, you know, the full distance. And, you know, I know they're two heavyweights, but these guys get very tired. It's going to be a really sloppy fight. And and I think, that, you know, I don't think any of these guys is going to stop one another. So, you know, it's a, it's a fade on DraftKings and, and it's, you know, fight goes to decision at plus money is not bad at all. Yeah, uh, you know, certainly a possibility. I mean, if, if you are if you are hinging on the finish, it's it's probably it's first round or bust, most likely. Uh, you know, definitely definitely one of those where um, we could see them, you know, struggling, and we could see a lot of hands on hips if this goes into the second and third round. So uh, definitely uh, be on the lookout for that if, you, if you're if you looking to play either one of those guys. Uh, okay, next next fight coming up. Uh, 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 uh. Oh, where, what am I, what am I possibly thinking? Yeah. How could I forget? Uh, Joe, sir, what do you have for this one? Okay, so a phrase that I never thought I'd hear myself say, there is line value on uh, Volante, on DraftKings. Um, I am not taking that line value, but I, I wholeheartedly encourage um, guys that I'm playing in in like in three mans and five mans on DraftKings do take the line value in uh, Jean Volante. Um, I'm going to pick uh, Barnett here. It's not an overly enthusiastic pick. Um, I will tell you that um, you know our good friend of the program, Uncle Weezy, who uh, you know took over uh, last week for the real Chris Olson, who had an appointment with his manicurist. Um, he has a really funny dialogue going about a TV show with, you know, Huggy Bear and, and John Volante and, 
you know, they're cops. I mean, listen to stat diggers and, and you can kind of hear the whole monologue. But um, I'm going to go with I'm going to go with Barnett here. Um, it's not an enthusiastic pick. And those guys who see me in those three mans and five mans, please take the line value in, in John Volante. I really wish you would. Thank you. <laughs> that will be something to watch. And uh, I, I'll definitely be on the lookout for that as well. OK, now we go to the next fight. Um, Ian Gary uh, making his promotional debut at. 9,500, so a big one there, against Jordan Williams, who's at 6,700. Uh, line on this fight, uh, where are we? Yes, is minus 375 for Ian Gary, plus 280 for Jordan Williams. Ian Gary, you know, coming over uh, from, from a decent run in, in, I believe, Cage Warriors, right? And, uh, you know, kind of sort of a, a, a lanky uh, counter-striker, uh, good footwork again, kind of can use his length well. Um, didn't really see much in him that says he's going to be a finisher here. Uh, we'll have to see how that plays out. Jordan Williams um, gets hit way too much. Uh, we've seen him as a grappler. I, he tried he tried taking down uh, Mickey Gall. He got him down, didn't work out too well. Um, but he is a wrestler by trade, and uh, that'll be his path here. Ian Gary showed himself to be a decent scrambler. Um, and I'm not really in the mood to trust Jordan Williams, even though 6,700 for a wrestler, eh, maybe something you want to take a little bit of a look at, but especially since I don't expect Ian Gary to be lethal. But, um, I think, I think if I had to straight pick this one, it would be Ian Gary, but I'm not touching that 9,500, um, despite, um, the, the, uh, proclivity for Williams to blow up, which he could do. But um, I think I think I think I dogger pass this one as, as far as drafting goes because I'm just I'm just not willing to uh, to lay out that kind of salary for uh, Ian Gary. But Joe, we'll start with you. Uh, what do you What are you thinking about this one? Yeah, so I am going to lay that salary on on Ian Gary. Uh, this is just you know Jordan Williams, I believe, said as much to James Lynch. This is a setup fight. Um, this guy is 23 years old, and while I don't move in that direction. He is not very hard on the eyes. Um, seven and oh pros. He's got also seven amateur fights um, going back to 2017. So yes, he's been fighting since he was 17 years old. Um, 23. This is a guy that the UFC marketing machine wants to get behind. Um, he, I believe he has the best inside the distance line on the entire slate. Um, and for that reason alone, um, I want some shares of him. I'm not sure what ownership is going to look like, um, but I'm going to take a lot of Gary here. Um, knowing that it's a setup fight, I don't know if that motivates Williams to fight harder or if he just essentially says, you know, the hell with it. I'm not really sure. He did take he did take a pretty decent beating from Gall, who like looked better than he had ever looked, um, you know, in that fight or better than he looked in a long time since he fought Mike Jackson, maybe. Um, so I got Gary here. You know, I, again, despite the flags, um, I am going to lay the 9.5K and work him into some lineups. You, I think you almost have to based on having the single best inside distance prop on the entire slate and knowing that this is a guy that the UFC wants to get behind in market. Uh, all right. Uh, yeah, no, I mean, I, I, I get that. I just, I don't know. I just, I didn't really see it in the tape. It could be, it could be opponent dependent where, 
you know, Jordan Williams just comes in with his chin up again and, and gets rocked and, and uh, maybe tries to grapple and, and uh, Gary gets in a mat return or two for good measure. But uh, I don't know. That's a, that's a tough lay for me, but I, I'll have, I'll probably have a few shares. Uh, Mike, how you seeing this one? Maybe I can change your mind. I actually, I actually like Ian Gary a lot, man. I've been following him in cage warriors. Um, you know, you go back and watch his fight, uh, five round fight against uh, Jack Grant. Jack Grant is a really, really, really good uh, grappler, really good submission grappler. And, you know, he's really good in scrambles. And, you know, Ian Gary was out scrambling him. He's out grappling him. And, you know, on the feet, he's very long, good striker, very good calf kicks. Um, one other thing I want to mention about this guy is he's moved to Sanford MMA which is probably an upgrade for him. Um, he's very young, so he's learning on the fly now. I'm very high on this guy. You know, this guy beat a guy. I, you know, people are not going to know this guy, but I do know him. His name is Matthias Figlik. Very, very good fighter out of Poland. Um, extremely good fighter. Him and his brother are very high-level fighters, and Ian Gary submitted him with no problem in the first round. I really like Ian Gary. Um, you know, I think the lane, the 9,600 is, is right. I'm mean, 9,500 is right here just because, you know, Jordan Williams, you know, getting hurt by Mickey Gall, you know, is not a good look because Mickey Gall is a submission guy. You know, I know he got submitted, but initially he got hurt really bad before he got submitted. The other thing I want to say is that, you know, this guy's a diabetic and I think he's a type one diabetic and, you know, he found a new doctor that um, helped him with the weight cut to 170 because this guy was fighting small at 185. But the problem is, I think, and I'm not sure, but based on what I saw in his last fight at 170, it looks like his chin is gone because he's cutting this weight, you know. So there's a lot of concerns with his chin here. Um, you know, I just think Gary's just better everywhere, better submission grappler, better scrambler, um, better striker. Um, and Gary by submission plus 550 is a really, really good line for a guy that's probably levels above what Jordan Williams is on the ground. Yeah, that definitely, definitely agree with that. Uh, definitely think, um, that submission prop is live and, uh, you may, you may have, you may have moved me to, to a few more lineups. Maybe, maybe I'll, maybe I'll take a few more now. Certainly, certainly don't want to be, uh, caught with egg on my face in that one, especially because, you know, if he gets, he goes out there and gets starched, I'm going to be like, obviously that's what happened, you know? So, um, don't want, don't want to be that guy. So probably have a few more shares than, uh, initially, but let's, uh, let's move on here to our next fight. Uh, it's Nasruddin Imavov at 8,500, uh, facing another new comer to the promotion. Uh, Chris Curtis, uh, the, uh, oh, oh no, sorry. Um, I, I skipped ahead there. He is facing Edmund, uh, Shabazian. Who is at uh, seventy-seven hundred? There you go. Uh, my first time hosting, folks. Uh, growing pain, so uh, bear with. Uh, the line on this fight, which I will get correct, is Imavov minus one fifteen. Uh, comeback on Edmund Shabazian uh, minus one oh five. And for me, this is a fight where you know we've seen Imavov. Uh, He's a real slick striker. He's got good footwork. He's got a good command of range. I think he's going to lean on the wrestling a little bit more in this one. Um, he is a Dagestani fighter. He's trained uh, with all those guys. Certainly no stranger to a takedown. We saw him We saw him take down Ian Heinish uh, in their fight. 
And, you know, the, I mean, simply put, the, the book is out on Shabazian, I think. Uh, taken down and ground out in each of his last two fights. Um, Shabazian is, is, a, is a lightning striker who has got power in his hands. He was hurting uh, Jack Hermanson very badly until Hermanson was able to get that fight to the ground and basically had to sell out to get that fight to the ground the, the, the first time he did. And uh, if he didn't, uh, who knows what would have happened. I think Imavov can survive on the feet here. If if that's his play, I actually think that would be the more intriguing fight, uh, the one I would like to see more. But I think um, Imavov's path to least resistance here and the one I think he's going to go with, uh, especially if he gets stung early, is uh, is a wrestling path. And for that reason, I think he plays a little better on DraftKings. I think uh, watching these guys slug it out would be fun and could, could potentially uh, lead to a finish one way or the other. But um, I like Imavov to mix in the takedowns here. And I believe we start with Mike on this one. Mike, how are you seeing this fight? Yeah, I think it's a really, really close fight. Um, you know, I kind of disagree a little bit with uh, with on the feet. You know, I, I think Imavov is probably the cleaner, the more technical striker here. Um, but um, I think the power lays with Edmund Shabazian. But the, the, the issue with that is, Edmund Shabazian's power goes away after, you know, the, the seven and a half minute mark. And, you know, I think that's all he carries. He carries it early. And then, you know, this guy has shown a very, very bad gas tank over and over and over again. Um, I'm not going to say Imavov has the best gas tank, but I do believe he has the better cardio here. Um, you know, he really, really impressed me against Heinish, you know, stopping a guy in Heinish that, you know, faced some really, really good guys. I don't think he's, you know, he's been stopped once by submission, but man, he just looked really, really polished in that fight. You know, you know, Heinish attempted, uh, you know, a ton of takedowns and just wasn't successful against this guy. So he also has a good, good takedown defense. Um, you know, I think on the feet, I, I again, I favor Imavov. He's the, he's the longer guy. I, I think he's the better technical striker. Um, and, and the later this fight goes, I think it favors Imavov uh, by far. So, you know, I don't have any type of bet on this play. Um, I don't really like the DraftKings numbers, you know, 7,700 and, you know, 8,500 on Imavov just because, you know, Imavov, I don't think is, you know, a, that much of a grappler. I think he has two takedowns in his career. Um, and, you know, I'm just afraid this is going to go to decision. So, you know, paying 8,500 for a fight that probably goes to decision um, is probably not the way to go. So, yeah, I'm, I don't, if I had to pick one, I would pick Imavov. I think he's the better striker. Uh, he's the better prospect. Um, you know, after, you know, this Shabazzian has really fallen off a cliff lately. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, we, we, we have seen, we have seen that gas tank go away. Uh, definitely, definitely uh, interesting to see uh, what these guys look like when they slug it out. Uh, Joe, how do you see this one? Okay, so I am on Shabazian here. Um, one, I, I like the line value on DK. Um, I think this line will flip by five time. He's minus 105 already at 7.7K. That's real line value, which I like. Um, neither one of you guys mentioned it, so maybe I'm breaking some news to you guys, but Shabazian has left Glendale fight team and is now training at AKA um, with you know all those Russian killers. Uh, that's DC's camp. That's uh, Habib's camp. Uh, Islam Makachev. Uh, now, granted, it usually takes a fight or two or three to get a benefit out of a camp change. But at least this kid had recognized he's gone about as far as he could go with the Glendale fight team and has done something to improve himself. Um, 
major, major camp shift, in my opinion, going to AKA. Um, so I like that. I also, um, you know, I think there's a lot of recency bias. Um, you know, he took two guys who were probably top five fighters, not probably our top five fighters, and he lost to them. And he did not look awful in either fight. Um, you know, before that, he was just kind of running through, you know, everybody. So I think this is a step down for um, for him. And I think this is a very winnable fight. Um, I'm not saying the UFC is doing him a favor because I do think Imabov is good. But I, I think this is just a step down from the guys that he's been facing. And I don't think that Imabov is going to use wrestling first, you know, but we'll see. Um, I, I like Shabazian. I like the line value, 7.7K. I think he's going to be pretty popular. A much better line value on this fight than there is on, on John Vellante. So give me Shabazian here. I would appreciate it if you would take a dig at Volante for every fight uh, prediction. That would be that would be ideal for me. But uh, yeah, uh, some contention there, and uh, I think what we do all agree on it's going to be it's going to be a great fight, and uh, can't wait to see that one. That one of one of the fights on that's not that's not the main card that I am uh, very much looking forward to. Okay, now uh, we get to uh, newcomer Chris Curtis, who is taking on. Phil Hawes, who is the favorite at 9,400. Curtis comes back at 6,800 on DraftKings. The line on this fight, uh, minus 300 for Hawes, plus 250 for Chris Curtis. And this is one where I'll say I'm very comfortable laying that number. Um, Chris Curtis is sort of a, a swarming striker, but uh, defense leaves a lot to be desired. And... Uh, can be taken down very easily. Hawes has tremendous power. Hawes is a great wrestler. And I have to say, he showed us in his last fight. I mean, Kyle Dawkins thought he was just going to go out there and get him tired. Turned out Kyle Dawkins was the one getting tired late. So if if Phil Hawes has a gas tank now, which is something that had always plagued him before, he's going to be all the more dangerous. And uh, I really like him here. I think he's a guy who... Uh, who is going to be better everywhere. I, I think this is a really tough debut for Chris Curtis here. I don't see a lot of pads. Um, I'm going to be all over uh, Phil Hawes in this one. And we'll start with Joe. Joe, what do you? where do you see this one going? Yeah, so I'm going to actually take a flyer with Curtis here. Ooh, um, and, and I'll tell you why. Look, I – and again, I'm doing this – based primarily on the opinion of somebody else. So I should warn everybody, um, you know, not to necessarily tell me here because I'm putting a great, putting a, a small amount of faith into someone who knows this fighter quite well. Um, and, you know, Curtis has always had a chip on his shoulder. Um, he has not gotten the, the uh, you know, he's not gotten the call up prior. Um, he was essentially had retired. Um, apparently he comes from money, so he doesn't need to fight. Um, but you know, for him, it's just, it's just about, you know, the competition. And when he wasn't getting that call up, he got a little discouraged. Um, what I also find very interesting is why Hawes did not want to fight Curtis on short notice, um, previously when, when he had the opportunity to do that. And now Curtis is coming back off of having at least, you know, somewhat of a more complete camp. So I found that very interesting. Like, you know, why not take the guy on short notice and now you're agreeing to fight him and maybe he got pushed into taking this fight and maybe he 
realize that if he doesn't fight now, he's probably not going to fight before the end of the year. So I'm a little suspicious. And again, you guys know I love narrative. So the combination of, of you know, the, the, you know, the goat Cody Safik um, saying that he liked Curtis in this spot and why, and the idea that, you know, Hawes could have had this fight where his opponent, the same fight with his opponent getting much, much shorter notice and he refused it is kind of suspicious to me. So I'm going to take a flyer with Curtis at 6.8K. You can do a lot with your lineups on DraftKings. And I think Hawes is very, very prohibitive at his price point. I mean, we've seen him on wobbly legs before. Um, You know, we've seen him cardio dump. Uh, I think if he cannot finish Curtis in the first round, I think this could be a very interesting fight. So um, I'm going to take a dog stab on on Curtis at 6.8K and uh, just build up my lineups around 6.8K. All right. Well, uh, I didn't think I'd be saying this, but uh, Mike, break the tie for us here. Well, um, you know, I have to agree with Joe, you know, um, 6,800 for a guy like Curtis. Um, the one thing I will say, you know, Lang, you know, I get that Phil Haas can get takedowns, you know, and stuff like that. But, man, this guy, Chris Curtis, is very hard to get out of there. Um, 34 fights, only been uh, gotten out one time, and that was by Ray Cooper, who has huge, huge power. Um, not many people can stand with uh, Ray Cooper's power. Um, the guy did fight, um, you know, Magomed Mag. Karamov, who's a really, really good grappler, high-level grappler, um, two two different times, both times went to decision. So, you know, the issue I have here is, you know, is Haas a good wrestler? Yes. Is he actually a good submission grappler? No. And, you know, Chris Curtis, the other thing that Joe mentioned, and, and I read something about that, the fact that, you know, Haas didn't take the fight, he said because he was preparing for a wrestler in Darren Wynn, he got a striker in Chris Curtis. He wasn't prepared. He was preparing for a complete wrestling match, you know, stuffing takedowns, stuff like that. So instead, you know, he pushed it back so he can prepare for this guy. Now, you know, we could say the same thing about Chris Curtis because he's just walking into the fire, right? He's ex- accepting the fight on a couple of days notice. So, you know, the, the excuse that he's giving as far as, you know, he wasn't prepared for a striker and he was prepared for a wrestler, you know, it might be true. I don't know. But... Um, you know, again, DraftKings, I, I can't lay that big 9,400. I'd rather lay it with Ian Gary at 9,500 just because, you know, again, you know, his cardio looked good last fight against Dalkis, but, like, I can't just automatically say this guy's cardio is fixed after, after one fight because I still think he has a cardio problem. The one thing I will say is that I just wish Chris Curtis would push a higher pace and make this guy work a little more. Because when you watch Chris Curtis, he's a, he's a counter striker. He doesn't throw a lot of volume and, you know, he pressures, but you know, he doesn't pressure with, with actual strikes and stuff like that. He's pushing people back, but he's not throwing enough strikes for my liking. I, if he does that here and he can stuff some of these takedowns from Hawes and make him work, I think he's going to get Hawes tired. And another thing with Curtis is he carries his power very late into fights. He has multiple, multiple round three, round four um, stoppages, um, probably over five or six of them. So, you know, this guy carries his power late. Um, You know, Haas, we know, you know, historically gases, you know, not last fight, but historically this guy does gas. And I'm afraid here, Um, you know, Chris Curtis is not a, a complete slouch. You know, people say he's moving up to 185, but this guy's fought at 205 even. So, 
I don't think it's a problem. Um, but yeah, I, I could not. I think the the stab at sixty eight hundred, sixty nine hundred just opens up so much more for you uh, in DraftKings. All right, uh, some some disagreement there. Um, I, I I definitely hear you about um, one fight not curing all the oils of the gas tank. But um, Dawkins was really pushing him, and I think he passed that test. So uh, you, if you want to see it again, I think that's fair. I definitely think that's fair. But um, And, you know, look, we do have to find uh, places to save salaries. So you got 6,800. You do have the narrative. You do have uh, the history of Cooper there. And so uh, could be a definite roll of dice spot uh, for sure. Let's, uh, let's go now to our next fight, which is uh, – Bobby Green at 8,600 versus Ally Quinta at 7,600. Uh, line on this fight, uh, Bobby Green can be had for minus 185, Ally Quinta at plus 150. I um, I think this is a spot where, you know, I, I think Bobby Green is actually a little bit being undersold here at uh, at the minus 180. I think, I think he might actually be um, – a victim of all those of all those uh, unjust scorecards that he's gotten over the years. Because um, look, uh, you can you can say that um, in the eyes of the judges, he gives fights away because you know he's the ultimate. Let my opponent dictate, and then I'll come back and sting him with shots. And you know, judges don't respond to that because let's let's be frank, a lot of judges don't know what they're doing. But um, I think that you know, I think this is a, a walkover spot for. Bobby Green, if I'm being honest, I think he's better everywhere. He's faster. He's the better kickboxer. He's going to be the better grappler. Ally Quinta is, um, you know, a reasonably sharp boxer, and um, he can get a pressure game going, but uh, just just sort of too one-dimensional. And I think the, the speed and the, the uh, head movement and the angling off of Bobby Green here, I, I just think Iaquinta is going to be a step behind the whole fight. Uh, Iaquinta is very tough, uh, very tough. So he could see the final bell here, but which uh, could make it a little tough on DraftKings. But I, I expect um, I expect Bobby Green to just pour this on. I mean, you, you're 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 looking at a guy who turned it on against Fiziev and almost won that fight. So I, I really like Green here. Maybe better as a bet, but I'll have a few stabs of DraftKings as well, just in case he does pour the volume on. And uh, I think he could be a could be a contrarian play if that happens. He's always in there landing a lot of strikes. It wouldn't shock me if we saw a takedown or two, although I'm not quite banking on that. But um, yeah, Bobby Green is uh, is 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 the winner of this fight for me. And I think we're starting with Joe here. Joe, how do you see this one? Yeah, I think we were supposed to start with Mike, but that's okay. Oh, um, right. I, I, uh, it's just an interesting fight for me because, you know, yes, that was very impressive. I mean, I think if that fight went a couple of minutes longer, I am talking, of course, about Bobby Green and Bobby Green and Fiziev. You know, Green might have might have finished him. I mean, he was really hurting him, and he had worn him down with volume. I mean, the volume that he threw in that third round, that to me was probably the single most impressive performance in a win or a loss by Bobby Green. Now, the reason why I'm a bit conflicted here is because I don't know what Al Iaquinta's I motivation is. I mean, you know, this is a guy that has not looked great recently. Um, apparently, you know, the UFC gave him not a choice of opponents, but essentially floated the idea by him. 
like, hey, would you like to fight Bobby Green on, on an MSG card? Um, you know, and, uh, you know, like coming out of real estate purgatory, um, you know, like if this was the same guy that fought, you know, five rounds against Khabib, um, you know, I would have to give him a shot here, especially as a dog. But, you know, I, I don't I just don't know what his motivation is. I mean, I, I did not see weigh ins. I don't know how either one of these guys looked. Um, barring you guys telling me that one or the other looked like crap, I would probably lean towards Bobby Green. But something tells me I should have a few shares of Ally Akinta at dog, you know, at a dog price, you know, in some DraftKings lineups. But in all honesty, this is not a fight I'm targeting. So I'm probably going to be, and again, I don't know what ownership is going to be in this fight. I'll probably be at or under ownership. I really don't see myself targeting this fight because I don't really have a strong take. Um, I would tend to chase the salary on, on Iaquinta. Um, I don't think I'll have that much Bobby Green because he would pretty much have to finish um, Al to, 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 to score well and get optimal. So I guess I'll pick Bobby Green, um, but I, I probably like Iaquinta more for DraftKings, if that makes any sense. So take take that w- with it what you will. Uh, yeah, I mean, you know, Dogger pass, we see that. We should note, um, Ally came to uh, two years um, uh, since he's fought, so uh, maybe coming off a little rush there as well. Uh, Mike, who I, I apologize, I think we were supposed to get to you first, but uh, what? how are you uh, seeing this fight? Yeah, you know, I, I, you know, I like Bobby Green. I like him a lot. Uh, he has the whole game, you know, the good ground game, the good scrambling, the good uh, striking, you know, good takedown defense. You know, he can take you down when he wants to. You know, the guy is 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 really really good. You know, you look at this guy's record, right? And it's twenty seven and twelve. And look at it on the face. You know, you're like, oh, this guy's okay. He's a journeyman. But no, man, this guy's really really good. But I will say one thing about Bobby Green. This guy fights down or up to his level, right? So what I mean by that is he, he fights down to his opponents. If it's a if it's an opponent that's not really good, he fights down to their level. Or if it's an opponent that's really good, he fights up to their level. And we saw it in a Fizia fight. But then we also see it against guys like, you know, Clay Guida, you know, you know, Alan Patrick. You know, he gets in these close fights against guys that he absolutely should be, you know, winning easily in, the, in, in these fights. But no, you know, Bobby Green plays around a lot. Bobby Green, you know, he, he loves fighting. He says he loves fighting and he showboats out there and he does stuff like that. Well, last fight, we didn't see that against Fiziev because he knew that Fiziev is a very, very high-level, dangerous striker. So, you know, the playing around and stuff, he couldn't do much. So what did we see from Bobby? He leveled up his game. You know, he showed more, more striking. He showed more volume, which is, you know, awesome, right? Now he's fighting Ally Quenta. He's been gone for two years. It's to me, it's a step down uh, 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 versus Fiziev. And now, you know, which Bobby Green are we going to see? The guy that goes down again to his opponents or the guy that just fought Fiziev in an absolute war when he almost got Fiziev out of there in the third round? If it's that Bobby Green, I'm very confident in him 180. But that's the problem with him. I cannot lay minus 180 with Bobby Green. If this was plus money, then I can definitely take Bobby Green. But I can't lay chalk with this guy. Because you just don't know, you know, which Bobby Green is showing up. And, and that's the issue I have with him. And as far as DraftKings, you know, I don't think he's going to land takedowns on Iaquinta. You know, he might he might throw some volume. But again, I you know, Iaquinta is not good defensively. He does get hit a lot. But, 
you know, it's again, it's probably one of those fights that I just want no part of in DraftKings. But yeah. I'm sorry, if I had to take a side, I would take Bobby Green for sure. I like Bobby Green. I like his skill set. Right. Yeah. And 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 that's totally fair. I think. I mean, both of these guys, uh, nothing else, are tough. So you know, it could be one where you see you do even if the volume does pour. You know, we have the point four significant strikes now. So I mean, it just wouldn't be enough at the price point. So that's definitely something to consider. All right. Um, Next fight uh, coming up, uh, it is the debut of Alex Pereira versus uh, versus Andreas Michalaitis. Uh, Pereira coming in at 9,100. Michalaitis, uh, 7,100. Odds on this fight is uh, Pereira at minus 275. Michalaitis coming back at plus 210. And this is one where um, I wouldn't even consider this laying real. I think this... This might be sort of um, a good price for Alex Pereira. I think that Michaelitis, um, we've we've seen him gone f- go for a takedown or two. Um, he's a, he's a strong guy in there, but generally, what he likes to do is sort of just bulldoze in on his opponent with those big strikes. And against a laser uh, striker like Pereira, that that just can't be a good idea. Um, I, I think that uh, Pereira. He's going to get him out of there. If he does uh, go for takedowns, that changes things. You would expect that he would try, but um, as someone who's not really a wrestler, who knows how well that would even go. It's not as though Pereira is, you know, a a fish out of water defending. We have seen him defend on on the regional scene. Um, You know, these these fighters, maybe not the best of caliber, but, um, you know, it, it is there. He has done things like spread his like spread his stance like try to dig for underhook so the he, the fundamentals are there and um i just don't see michaelitis really getting things done in that way and um again i think if he comes in with that house on fire style of closing the distance throwing big looping shots he's just gonna get uh countered to death so i like Pereira here i think he gets this finish and i think uh we we're mentioning Set up fights before. I think this is a welcome to the UFC for Alex Pereira, and uh, I like him quite a bit here. And uh, n- now I we will start with Mike since we missed him uh, last time. So, Mike, uh, how you see in this fight? So I kind of agree with you. I I do like Pereira striking. I mean, we we know this guy is is very very powerful. Um, he's known to knock out. You know, in the kickboxing scene, he knocked out Adesanya. He beat Adesanya twice. Um, but I have concerns. Um, this guy only has four, four uh, MMA fights. Um, you know, this guy, you know, the, the guys he's fought, man, uh, you know, Thomas Powell, you know, the, the guys that he's fought are just not that good. And the one loss that he does have is by submission, right? Um, his gas tank is not great, um, you know. And Michaelitis, I will say something. I taped him kind of good, you know, in the UFC. No, he doesn't grapple a lot. But when you go look at his regional scene, he does grapple. And the other thing I have to mention about Michaelitis is he is a BJJ black belt. So he is going to be the much better guy on the ground. Um, I, I heard an interview where they asked him, um, they asked him, hey, you know, are, are you going to take this fight to the ground? And he almost was going to answer. And he said, oh, we'll see. We'll see how it plays out, you know. So I think he knows, you know, you've got to be crazy to sit there and stand with a guy like Alex Pereira. This guy, go watch that last guy he knocked out. I mean, the guy was out for seven, you know, five, six, seven minutes out cold. So it was a very scary scene. This guy is really, really 
dangerous when it comes to striking. Um, so for me, you know, I do have Pereira in a in a parlay with with Gary, but I did hedge with something uh, you know that I really liked. Michaelitis submission plus fourteen hundred. I think that's a really really big line for a guy that's the better grappler here. Um, and his path of victory is getting the fight to the ground. We know this. So even in DraftKings, I like both guys in DraftKings. I think, you, you know, both guys should be targeted because I think, you know, if this stays standing, Michaelitis is going to be out of there. If this gets to the ground, Michaelitis has a chance to finish. And, and even if he doesn't finish, you're getting a guy at 7,100 who's going to have top time, who's going to have control time, and, and he's going to score. So um, I think you can play both sides here on DraftKings. But, you know, um, that 1,400 tag just kind of stuck out to me by submission. Yeah, um, that's that is a big one, and 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 I know uh, I know you like playing those and and hitting those. Uh, I should say uh, more more often than most. Uh, what I will say is that we have seen before since kickboxing is is shorter rounds. We have seen uh, guys like um, oh who's the, who's the, who's the kickboxer who came in who got knocked out by. Goken Saki. Goken Saki. We have seen Goken Saki. We saw when he made his, his debut against uh, Frankenstein there, he gassed out and uh, did end up winning that fight, but uh, by the skin of his teeth. So there are definitely concerns for a kickboxer coming in. Um, the pr problem is that we have seen guys grapple on the regional scene and then just forget it when they get here. Um, as you say, it has to cross his mind. Uh, when fight, facing a kickboxer that, look, I got to take this guy down. So definitely a shot to take, but, um, but uh, I, I think, I think Pereira is, uh, is still the way to go here, but uh, definitely, uh, definitely an interesting spot. Okay. Um, now uh, we get to the really Chris, good Chris, Chris. Oh my goodness. I did it again. <laughs> okay. Whoa. So, so this is a great fight for narrative. Okay, yeah. um, you know, so Pereira, actually beat Israel Adesanya twice, once by KO, once by decision in kickboxing. Um, he was also a dual weight champ in glory and as about as active as a glory fighter could possibly be. Um, you know, he was uh, both, I believe, middleweight and light heavyweight champion for glory. The difference between him and Saki is that he is an active fighter. Saki was coming off of a layoff, um, you know, before he made his UFC debut and then ultimately got smoked um, by Roundtree, which was a really good spot for, for Roundtree. Um, so I like Pereira as well here. Um, my good friend, uh, John Stargarian, not his real name, um, you know, who does the Club and Sub podcast and who will be attending uh, the MSG uh, tomorrow night. Um, you know, he, he's got to play on Michaelitis, um, you know, but then again, John sometimes gets a little lightheaded from the tobacco that he chews. So that could be part of it. Um, I like Pereira here. I think there are ways to get both him and, and Geary in your lineup. Um, probably, you know, could probably figure that out without my help. Um, but yeah, I'm going to go with Pereira here. Um, I do think that this fight could get interesting uh, the longer it goes. I, I would I could certainly see momentum shifting to Michaelitis. But um, give me Pereira here and give give me him to get an early finish. All right, I'm, I'm going to give Joe a complex here. I'm sorry about that, Joe. I, that will probably not happen again. Um, I am going to now, however, move on to, as I say, the good stuff. It is uh, Justin Gaethje at 8,900, taking on Michael Chandler at 7,300. The line on this fight, we have Gaethje coming in at minus 225, and Chandler can be had 
for plus uh sorry plus 175 um i think that this is a bad matchup for chandler um sort of remarkably so just um we 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 know the gas tank issues we know the leg kick issues and we know that uh Gaethje is not a guy that you get him out of there with one big shot. I don't care what your power is like. It just doesn't happen. Um, you have to, he has to drag you through hell first. And I can't trust Chandler to make it that far into a fight. Um, the, the second round against uh, Charles Oliveira, the reason he gets caught with that hook is he comes out and his hands are way low and he doesn't retract and he just gets caught. The, the hands are low because he's tired. He used a lot of energy in that first round. Now, Michael Chandler comes into the light lightweight division and instantly becomes one of, if not the biggest hitter in that division. So can he do it? Can he land a flush shot? It's not something you can bank on because we've never seen it before. So um, I'm not going to bank on it. We, we know that Chandler has problems specifically with the leg kicks. Um, we uh, uh, Khabib had to go through three, four different uh, chain wrestles to get him to the floor. Um, if, if Chandler has to work that hard, maybe he gets him once or twice, but if, if Chandler pops back up, uh, I'm sorry, if Gaethje pops back up, that works to drain the gas tank as well. So the Avenue here is a big shot from Chandler. I think it's very small. I think it's very narrow. Um, I think Gaethje takes this fight. Uh, I think, uh, maybe, uh, second, uh, early third round stoppage, but, uh, I think Gaethje gets it done at some point. And uh, Joe, to make sure I do not forget you, we we go to you first here. So uh, how are you seeing this one? I pretty much agree with everything you said, Chris, uh, as hard as it is for me to admit that or acknowledge that. Um, I, I do think this is a bad matchup for Chandler. I do think Gaethje could win this fight by leg kicks alone if that's what he wanted to do. I also believe, uh, to your point, that he is not going to finish Gaethje with, with one shot. I, I don't think that, you know, Chandler has got better hand speed than, say, Michael Johnson, you know, who caught Gaethje early and, you know, Gaethje came back and, you know, they just destroyed Michael Johnson, um, you know, but I, I just, you know, again, I'm going to take a shot. I'll take a few shots with uh, with Chandler just because of his, his low price and, you know, because he does, you know, could potentially get lucky. Anything could happen in MMA. Um, but I really do like this matchup for Gaethje. I think if he fights a smart fight, which he doesn't always do, but if he fights a smart fight, this is his fight to win. He could win it any number of ways. Um, but, you know, give me a lot of Justin Gaethje here. I'm going to be like probably, I don't know what his ownership is, but I'm going to be way over on Gaethje. Uh, yeah, uh, I agree. Uh, short and sweet there. I, I think uh, I, I think that was well said. Uh, Mike, how are you having this one? Yeah, I agree with both everything you guys said. Like, I mean, bad matchup for Chandler. Leg kicks, cardio, um, chin issues. You know, uh, these things all favor Gagey. The striking, you know, much better, cleaner striker. Um, <clears throat> you know, outside of a bomb early. And like you mentioned, it's it's very hard to get Gagey out of there with just one shot. One shot. So, you know, he had Oliveira hurt and couldn't get him out. What makes you think he's going to get Gagey out of there? Because Gagey is extremely, extremely tough. Um, you know, I do agree with Joe. Like this guy, you have to lay it with him in DraftKings, and and I actually laid it with him minus two ten because I think that line is still shallow. 
Um, I laid 4.2 units on him because I really think, you know, the line should be, uh, you know, close to 300 here because we're talking about, uh, you know, a small percentage of the chance that, that um, you know, Chandler wins. And that's by, you know, probably first round knockout because outside of there, you know, he's pretty much screwed. So, yeah, I mean, Gagey on DraftKings, Gagey, you know, betting wise. And I just think he's the better fighter. Yeah, agreed. And I, and I think that highlights an interesting point where, I mean, value doesn't always mean plus money. It's good where we, when we can get it there, but value means wherever the line should be and isn't. So if that means minus 210 should be a little deeper, well, then that's the value as well. And uh, I'd have to agree, agree in this spot that uh, I think that line could be a little wider as well. Uh, we're we're going to move on here to um, a, a, an interesting fight to me. This is uh, – Shane Burgos at 9,000, taking on Billy Q, Billy Quarantillo at, uh, oop, went too early, uh, 7,200. The line on this fight, Burgos can be had minus 200, uh, Quarantillo at plus 165. I uh, really don't see a reason why this fight, this line has to be this wide. I think that um, Shane Burgos um we kind of we kind of get high off the fact that he um, comes forward, throws a lot of big shots, and uh, is an opposing figure in there. And look, it's worked for him. But uh, the thing I want to highlight, I, I mean, I mean, forget forget those last two fights where he took a beating. I mean, don't forget them, but uh, put them to the side for a minute and and let's let's ask the question: What? How long has it been since Burgos got a win where he didn't have to face some significant adversity? I mean, even in, even in that fight with uh, Macwan Americani, he spent most of the first round on his back. He was getting uh, lit up by counter shots. I mean, the guy just has no defense. And uh, if we wrap it back around, um, the, he's taken a tremendous, tremendous amount of punishment here. I mean, the, a guy, you know, who body shutting off after five seconds of normal movement, uh, something that, uh, you know, the, the, the 20-year uh, – Guys who watch fights uh, for a living, uh, nobody's ever seen it before. So um, it scares me. It makes me think that, um, you know, his chin can shut off at any time. And Billy Q, his boxing is looking better all the time. Um, he was able to uh, hold his own standing against uh, uh, Gabriel Benitez. And he's just an expert back taker, really gets there and then gets that body lock immediately and um, – I'll hold you there. It is not going to get be a guy who completely gasses and lets you back in the fight the way Amerikani always does. Um, so yeah, I'm t I'm taking Quarantillo here. I I just I think um, the bloom is off the rose a little bit for um, for Shane Burgos, at least in my opinion. Uh, Quarantillo only finished once uh, in his 19 fight career, so um, it makes me believe that he can stand up to the shots and. Um, you know, like the body work, like the pressure. I just think uh, Quarantillo is the more complete fighter and the more defensively responsible one. So uh, give me uh, Billy Quarantillo and Mike, we'll start with you. How you see in this fight? Yeah, I, I agree with some of the stuff you said, especially, especially the amount of beatings Burgos has taken, especially with the last fight. The last fight against Barboza, the way he went out, you know, the, the delay – um, was really, really concerning. Um, and I think he's coming back a little too soon here after that type of knockout and that type of beating. The other thing you mentioned is go back his last six fights, right? Qatar, Holabao, Swanson, 
Um, I don't think he got hurt in a Mayor County fight, but Emmett Barbosa, every single one of those fights he got hurt. Even Hulaba hurt him in that first round. Um, um, you know, people were saying, oh, well, Billy Quarantillo doesn't hit very hard. Um, hey, he got, uh, what's his name, out of there last fight, and, and Gabriel Benitez is known to be durable. He got him out of there. The other thing I want to mention is when you got knocked out the way Burgos got knocked out and, and the amount of beatings that he's taken, what's not good is something that Billy Quarantillo does very well is throw a ton of punches. And whether it's one punch or accumulation of punches, that's the issue I have here with, you know, Burgos. He's going to eat a lot of punches. He's not defensively responsible. He wants to, you know, give, you know, eat one to give one. And, you know, Billy Quarantillo, he's going to match his cardio. Um, you know, he's going to keep coming forward. Both guys coming forward. I would like to see who's going to actually take the back foot in this fight. And, you know, to me, um, you know, I always play Billy Quarantillo round three, and Billy Quarantillo round three is plus 2,000 here. Um, the guy just keeps on coming. Um, Burgos is, you know, I'm very scared of, you know, what, what's going to go on with him lately because, you know, two of his last, you know, two of his last six fights, he's been stopped in the third round. Um, Billy Quarantillo has very good cardio, throws a ton of punches. Um you know, I think it's a good spot for Billy Q, and I, I think this line is a little off, you know. I, I'm going to say Burgos is the better striker. He's got a little bit more power, but again, a lot of durability concerns right now with, with Bur uh, Burgos. So when it comes to DraftKings, I think uh, i rather play Corntillo. He throws a ton of volume. Um, I actually think he might be able to get a couple uh, takedowns, but I don't think he's going to be able to control uh, um Burgos because he's he's really good. I mean, he's actually really good at stuffing takedowns. But you know, the longer this fight goes, the more he's gonna have that chance to get the takedown. So yeah, um, I like Billy Q here. I like Billy Q round three plus two thousand. Okay, our next fight. Uh just kidding, Joe. Uh -huh. So I um I have bet I bet plus two hundred that neither fighter takes a step backwards in the first two and a half minutes. That's uh I really kind of like that line. So uh, plus 200, neither fighter takes a step back in the first two and a half minutes. Um, I agree with most of what you guys say, although I do in some respect think that this is a step down um, in competition for Burgos compared to the killers that he's been facing. I don't think that Quarantillo hits quite as hard as, as you know, he doesn't kick as hard as Barbosa. You know, doesn't hit as hard as Cater and other other guys that Burgos has fought. Uh, Burgos is part of that Tiger Schulman camp with you know Jimmy Rivera. Um, you know, I I think that this is a fight that Burgos has to win. Um, I'm not saying he's going to get cut. I don't have a crystal ball, but like this is probably and again, this is no knock on Quarantillo because I think Quarantillo is a good fighter. Just in putting it in perspective, I just think this is the easiest opponent he's had in a while. Um, with that said, you know, I understand your concerns. Like, you know, coming back maybe too soon from, you know, such a brutal beating. The other thing is, let's not forget that, you know, Quarantillo, I know there's recency bias in, in, in all these fights, but Quarantillo did not look good against Gavin Tucker. I mean, as good as he looked in his last fight against Benitez, he looked that bad against Gavin Tucker. I never thought Gavin Tucker, I thought Gavin Tucker was maybe an average to above average fighter. And he put a beating on Quarantillo. So 
Um, you know, let's not forget that. That's only one fight removed from his last fight against Benitez. So I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to pick Burgos, but I do like this fight to target um, a bit on DraftKings. And I do think there's some value in uh, Billy Q at what, 7.2K? Um, I do think there's some value there. I think he's going to be pretty popular. Um, obviously opens things up, um, you know, to build some Stars and Scrubs lineups um, at 7.2K. So, you know, give me Burgos to win, but I could certainly see myself having more shares of Quarantillo on DraftKings. All right, moving on to our next fight, which is uh, Marlon Vera, 8,800, taking on Frankie the Answer Edgar at 7,400. Line on this fight, Vera can be at from minus 150, the comeback on Edgar plus 125. Um, I think uh, rumors of Edgar's demise have been greatly exaggerated. I don't think that um, his chin is just going to blow up in there, particularly a guy against Vera who spends a lot of time still. I mean, he's gotten better, but especially in the first round, spends a lot of time on his back foot. I think Frankie's going to be able to pressure him here. Um, get the takedowns. We have to remember in that fight against Jose Aldo, the entire third round goes right to the back take and just and just locks him down for the third round. Uh, Edgar is a long-standing uh, jiu-jitsu black belt. I think he can do much the same thing. He's gonna have to be careful, but uh, do I think Vera is is the one-shot kill striker who who is gonna get him? I I really don't. And you could have said the same thing about about. Uh, Ortega before their fight, I understand, but um, you know, I I really just don't see Vera. Uh, I I wouldn't bank on that happening again. Let's say that, and uh, certainly wouldn't do it here against Vera. Uh, I I must say I I've never been the biggest fan of Marlon Vera. He's gotten much better, but I still, as I say, worry about his ability to see ground in the cage, and I don't think that's uh, going to play well for what Edgar is going to come in there uh, and try to do to him. I think uh, the takedowns are going to be, are going to uh, flow here. Uh, we know about the performance against Yair Rodriguez. Anything close to that would, would be amazing for Edgar at this price. And so I'm going to take the shot. I'm uh, taking uh, Frankie Edgar. And uh, I think this is Joe. Yes. Yeah. Uh, Joe, how do you see this one? Yeah, I, I'm kind of leaning the same way here. I mean, originally I looked at this fight and I thought, you know, maybe Cheeto. Um, he's such a slow starter and he's lost rounds to really bad fighters like Guido Canetti. Um, you know, I think, you know, if Edgar is not completely washed, and I say that, you know, with great morose because, you know, Edgar, you know, being a New Jersey guy, you know, Edgar, there was always a billboard when Edgar was champ, you know, New Jersey's own. You know, Frankie Edgar, there was a big billboard right along the highway with Frankie Edgar on it. And that's before I really got into UFC to the extent I'm in now, I should say MMA. Um, so like I, you know, Frankie's got a gym, maybe 15 minutes from my house as well. He's got a UFC gym. Um, so, you know, I want, you know, emotionally, I want Edgar to win. You know, realistically, I think he's got a really good chance to win. And I just love that 7.4K salary. I think you could do a lot with that. Um, you know, there's some pretty obvious lineups that you could build with that 7.4K. Um, so I do like that a lot. And I am going to take Edgar. All right. Uh, 
Sounds good. Uh, Mike, how are you seeing this one? I'm right there with you guys. You know, this is a, a – you know, when we talk about huge step down, I mean, look at the guys Edgar has faced recently. You know, Max Holloway, Korean Zombie, Pedro Munoz, Corey Sanhagen, Brian Ortega. I mean, this is a massive step down for Frankie Edgar. Um, you know, the flying knee, you know, he, he took against Sanhagen – I think age actually doesn't matter there. Like anybody that gets caught with that flying knee is probably going to go out. Um, and, and then one year removed. I mean, he went five hard, hard rounds with Pedro Munoz, who's a much more powerful striker than, than uh, Cheeto Vera is. Cheeto Vera for me is not a, 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 you know, powerful striker. He's more of an attrition fighter. He gets guys there, you know, later in the fight, he tires them out and then he gets them out of there. You know, he doesn't have that one punch uh, power, you know, has some good elbows, good knees in the clinch, stuff like that. But I also think Frankie Edgar can easily take him down, can easily have top time against this guy. And this guy likes to play off his back a lot too. So, you know, you guys mentioned he loses the first round a, a high percentage of the time versus very low-level fighters. You know, Guido Canetti, you know, and we're talking about different levels here. And I think Edgar, even at 40, you know, one year, one year removed from a, a five-round, you know, very, very good fight against Pedro Munoz in which he won. You know, I still think he has it, man. I, I still think Frankie Edgar has it. And, you know, I have Frankie Edgar bet plus 142. I have a Frankie Edgar get bet by decision plus 260. And I also have a fight goes to decision bet at minus 144. I just think this fight gets to the scorecards. And I think it's going to favor Edgar. And, uh, you know, the grappling is just going to be there for him. And, and the other thing is, you know, unlike the other opponents from Marlon Vera, where, you know, he kind of gets to him in a third round where they get tired, um, Frankie Edward, Edgar has a very, very good gas tank. So I don't think he's going to get him out of there in the, in the third. All right. Uh, moving on, we got uh, our first of two title fights. Uh, Zhang Wei Li, well, I guess they're close enough, it doesn't matter. Zhang Wei Li. At 8,000, Rose Nama Yunus, the champion, at 8,200. Line on this fight is similarly close. We have Zhang Weili at minus 120, Rose Nama Yunus uh, plus 102. Interesting to see uh, Weili as uh, the small favorite on some books here after taking that knockout in the first fight. I am on Weili here because I think that um, – the, the, the pressure striking will serve her well here. I also think we'll see a reemergence of the Wiley who came into the UFC as sort of a, a lockdown grappler who would just out-muscle opponents. We haven't really seen that a lot lately. Um, we've seen more Wiley the striker, but that's what she was on the Chinese regional scene, and that's what she was coming in here. I think we see that again. Um, we know that, um, that, that, that uh, that's yielded fruit against Nami Yunus. I don't think that uh, Wiley is going to want to spend too much time standing at range. Um, those kicks, as it goes without saying now, uh, can be lethal, can be a weapon. I think she's going to want to stay away from that. But I do think that um, she has a real path here if she does stick to the wrestling, which I think she will do. So I'm taking Wiley here. I think I think if you wanted to play Wiley in the last fight, it's one of those things where you kind of have to go back to her just because, you know, you didn't really see enough. I mean, yeah, she Rose set a trap and, and Wiley fell in it. Um, that that can happen. I don't think it's indicative of what's going to happen in the fight every time. 
one of the things about MMA is, you know, it's, it's, it's uh, all small sample size. So we get to see it run again. I think Wiley takes it. Um, so that's my play. And I think we start with uh, Mike here. Uh, Mike, how do you see this one? You kind of mentioned something that's, uh, you know, accurate. Like, you know, if you took uh, Zane Wiley last time at minus 235, which is what it closed at, and now she's at minus, you know, 110, 125, whatever it is. I mean, what made you change your mind? One head kick that, you know, you know, you can't really you get much out of that head kick. You know, you can't really determine that, you know, oh, you know, Rose Namajunas was the value side because she landed a head kick, which is not a high, you know, percentage play. You know, it's not going to happen very often. So you mentioned something that's, you know, very true. If you played Wang Lee last time, you should be playing her again here at a smaller price. Um, but for me, um, I think, uh, you know, both girls are pretty durable. I know everybody talks about Rose's head. You know, where's her head at? You know, a lot of the, the narrative with her is her, her mental game, right? But, I mean, she went five, you know, hard rounds with uh, Joanna. Um, you know, I think I like fight goes to decision. I got plus money on it at, at plus 116. I'm not sure what it's sitting at right now. But um, I kind of think this fight is going to go there. You know, it, it's both girls are, are really good. I think the line is 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 pretty accurate. You know, I, I think it's a coin flip. Like I I favor Rose on the feet. I think she's the much you know longer fighter. And and you know when it comes to submission grappling, she's the better submission grappling. But the better actual grappler wrestler is uh, Zhang Weili. She's the more powerful girl when it gets to the ground. So yeah, I I think it's kind of a coin flip. If I had to take one, I would probably take Zhang Weili. I, I just like her pressure. I like her cardio a little better the later this fight goes and and I have a bet that this fight's going to decision. So yeah, I like Zing Wei Lee here. Um, and as far as DraftKings, I mean, you're probably going to have to target this fight. It, it's a five round fight. And, um, you know, I, either I can't really pick a side here, 8,200, 8,000. I, I think both of them are not bad, but I'd probably favor a little more on the Wei Lee side because you got a little bit of line value and you have the grappling uh, uh, from her. Uh, Joe, you're up. Yeah, pretty much what Mike said, with the exception of I have a much stronger take on on uh, Wiley winning this fight. Uh, Mike made all the points. Like if you bet uh, Zhang last time, are you going to let a, a flash KO talk you off of betting her again at a much better number? Um, you know, there is some line value. Again, great point that Mike made. Um, you know, I am going to have shares of Rose, of course. But um, at 8K, uh, that, you know, fits some lineups that I really like. So I will have, I will be overweight to Zhang, I believe, um, and underweight to Rose, um, although I will be heavily targeting the fight. So give me uh, Zhang and, uh, you know, let's hope for a good and competitive fight. All right. Moving on to the main event, the absolute grudge match and Rematch title fight, it is Kamara Usman at 9,300, uh, Colby Covington at 6,900. Um, you know, this fight is it, – it's tough to call only a sense that I, I don't know. I, I mean, I guess I would kind of – I have a question for both of you that, that I'll wait till later. But um, I think I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take Usman here. I expected this line to be a little wider after Usman's win. I thought it would have been appropriate. I think he's he's um, evolved as a striker. I think he's sitting down on his punches uh, a little more. I think he's trust 
in his power a little more. But um, uh, the line now uh, out of control, which I just which I just realized I I forgot to give, but that's actually a good segue. So I'm going to pretend I did that on purpose. It's Kamara Usman uh, minus three fifty and uh, uh, Covington plus two sixty. That uh, that that seems way wide to me. Having said that, I still do. Like Usman here, I think um, we saw a pivotal thing in the last fight. Uh, Colby really uses that cardio as a weapon. He wasn't able to do that in the last fight. As close as it was, he had to take round four off because he was tired. He came back in round five, and it was competitive for about the first two minutes until Usman took that over again. So pace and pressure is are big weapons for Colby. And if you can't use them here, I think um, I think it, it it could go downhill a little bit faster this time. So my play is uh, Colby Covington. And I think what I would ask the two uh, of you gentlemen, uh, if you would want to answer uh, in your uh, reviews of the fight, um, do you think uh, wrestling will play a factor here? And if so, who do you think is uh, more likely to implement it first. And I think we're going to Joe here first. So, uh, Joe, you're up. Answer your question. No, I don't think wrestling will will play into this fight. Uh, I, I believe the fight is going to be a carbon copy of the previous fight, which is going to be standing. Um, I am going to go with Usman here. I do also agree that the line is probably a little bit wide. Um, we'll have some shares of Colby at 6.9. Um, you know, for those who uh, are... Um, are not followers of scorecards in fights that finish. Um, this fight would have likely ended a draw um, if Colby did not get knocked out. He was like up on one scorecard, down on another scorecard, and I think it was a tie um, on the third. Um, so it's very it's it's likely that this fight could have ended in a draw um, if he did not get finished in that last round. Um, so yeah, people tend to forget that, and that's you know maybe why the line is so wide. I just, I just like Usman here again. I, I don't, I am not buying into the narrative that he's now this, this potent striker. I think that you know circumstance um, plays more into that than actual skill. Um, you know, but I, I do like, a, I do like a Usman here. But I'm going to have shares of Colby. Um, I'm not sure how equal my shares are going to be, but I think this is a fight to target. I think this fight is very stackable in cash on DraftKings. Um, you know, because of the high output and the volume. Um, so I am going to take Usman, uh, curious to what Mike has to say here. Yeah. Um, I'm pretty much there with you guys. I, you know, the, the, the line is kind of ridiculous to me, um, in a, in a close, very competitive fight and, and, and the first time out, and you made a good point, like, you know, all of a sudden everybody's putting like, you know, everybody used to complain just like two or three fights ago that, you know, uh, Usman's striking is not that good, and, you know, he's he just has this wrestling base, and all of a sudden, you know, two knockouts later against Burns and Masvidal, all of a sudden he's some great striker. You know, I don't buy it, to be honest. Does he have a great jab? Yes, I really like his jab. Um, I really like his body work, which is what worked the first time against Colby Covington, which he's probably going to go to the same well again because I think those body punches slowed down Covington. Um but again, it's going to be a lot closer than people think, you know, just because Usman stopped him last time, you know, Colby Covington is a real 170 pounder. Gilbert Burns isn't. Gilbert Burns is a 155 pounder. Um, 
And the other thing I will say is, I don't like how, you know, Usman reacted to some of those punches against Gilbert Burns in that first round. I mean, I know he can recover real good. I know he has a very good chin. But again, go back and watch that first round. He hurt him. And then he wasn't reacting to punches well, you know, thereafter. The one thing that happened is Burns gassed himself out, you know, trying to get the knockout. And, you know, from there, Usman took over. So, you know, did Usman all of a sudden turn into some great striker? No, because I think he still lacks some defensive skills. He still gets hit. And even against Masvidal in that first round, you know, it was competitive. Masvidal landed, I think, more strikes in that first round. So, you know, you can't sit here and tell me that this fight is not going to be competitive because I really believe it will. But ultimately, what changes where, you know, where um, Colby can actually get a win here? And I, I don't see it. And I don't think grappling is going to be there because Usman is such a good defensive grappler himself. He, he's not going to get taken down. And I think that's going to wear on Colby's gas tank too. So, yeah, for me, I have to choose Usman here. But again, this line is is way, way off to me. Um, I might actually, if, if this hits plus, you know, 280 range, I might take a shot with Colby Covington. Okay, did we lose Chris? I think we lost Chris. Wow. There, oh, there he is. Sorry about that. I, um... This the stupid laptop has that thing where if you you know sh throw your finger on the mouse it it leaves the page the other way. Oh, so I hate that. I, I ducked out. That's actually the second time it's happened. We didn't pay for it the first time, but uh, so now now we have uh, now we're doing hot takes. We are doing hot takes as this closes the card. If you're new to um, to this program, what we do is we take. Uh, a spicy play, which which should be right up Mike's alley, and we we say that it, it's going to come in, um, uh, and uh, we we stake our reputations on it. So, yeah, if anyone has one uh, of us three ready to go, we'll take. I'm good, you. man. I'm good. I, I'm going to give you guys one. I'm going to say tail this at your own risk, but it is a parlay that pays seventy to one. Seventy. That's seven zero. So tail this at your own risk. Okay. Okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna do this really slowly. Osborne Vegara fight does not go the distance. That's no fight does not go the distance. Minus one ninety. Ian Gary Jordan Williams no fight does not go the distance. That's minus three thirty. Chris Curtis to win outright. That's plus two forty five. Pereira and Michaelidis. That is no fight does not go the distance. Minus two twenty five. Chris Barnett to win outright, plus 110. Ally Akinta to win outright, that's plus 155. Justin Gaethje, Michael Chandler, no, fight does not go the distance, minus 300. That will pay you 70 to 1. 70, that's 7-0. I'll repeat it again real quick. Fight, I'm going to give you just no's. No, Vagera Osborne. No, Geary Williams. No, Pereira Michalides. No, Gaethje. Straight up, Ayakinta, Barnett, and Chris Curtis. And that pays 70 to 1. There you go. Live long and prosper. There you go. <laughs> I think, uh, I think Elliot, that's, that's the hot take of the, of the card. Elliot, I, Elliot, Elliot, based on that profile photo, you've already won, buddy. Now, you, you overshot your skis, okay? <laughs> you are, so you're a lucky dude. You already won. You don't need to tell me. <laughs> I um I I'll take a shot. I am going to 
um, go all in on the um, deterioration of the Burgos chin. I'm going to say uh, Billy Quarantillo wins by KOTKO uh, is my hot take. Uh, Mike, you got one queued up for us there? Yeah, my buddy Ian Gary by submission plus 550. There you go. And uh, that works. Um, if you have any hot takes in the chat, I know Nandalal has been posting them uh, throughout the card, basically, and uh, basically been the fourth man here. So uh, we definitely appreciate that. But uh, anybody else have some hot takes? Uh, aside from Elliot, of course, which um, might be able to just stand alone as uh, as the as the take of the card. But uh, hopefully, hopefully he he means because he's not going to bet it, not because it's not going to come in. But we we, uh, we got to get Nan to come on one time to do like a guest segment yeah like, you know we, we could call it something like like non's props or or actually no no i got a good one making bread with non how do you like that making Absolutely. bread with non i love it yeah i love it okay Absolutely. okay right. mike has got a bolt because his show is yeah. starting real soon so mike um, take off thanks for uh subbing for uh the dfs sniper we'll hope yeah. to do it again sometime absolutely uh mike thanks so much we are going to end uh, the stream now. Thank you guys so much for listening. As I said, uh, uh, please subscribe to our YouTube channel. Uh, check out Mike, a Narco Cop MMA YouTube, uh, going live soon. Thank you all so much for watching, and we will see you on the next pay-per-view. Peace.